0: Welcome to Blind Squirrel Macro, the pod. Squirrel here on the morning of Tuesday the 14th of November, Melbourne time, where I'm still getting used to the emergence of Christmas decorations under scorching summer sun. Although today, at 13 degrees and rainy, not so much. So much for four seasons in one day. Anyway, this podcast is our usual companion to the weekly newsletter, which you can find for free at blindsquirrelmacro.com. The letter contains graphics, charts, and a multitude of links that I may refer to in this pod. It also contains our portfolio update and a review of our Acorn trade ideas for paid subscribers. The main letter and the podcast will continue to be free, however. I've still not mastered audio editing software, and so I record it, as you can tell, in a single take, so please forgive any stumbles or mumbles. But before we start, the usual message from Legal... Everything in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is categorically not investment advice. Before making any investment decisions, for heaven's sakes, don't listen to a cartoon rodent. Talk to a financial advisor. Now, on Friday evening, Mrs. Squirrel and I had a lovely early Italian dinner in Carlton and then went to go and see the relatively new film about the 2021 GameStop short squeeze, Dumb Money. This was so that Cliff Astness would not have to. Who's Cliff? He's the founder and CIO of Hedge Fund HQR, and followers will know that The Squirrel is a huge fan. He's been particularly good on my favourite topic of volatility laundering in private asset markets. Now, our volunteer work on behalf of Cliff came as a result of a recent exchange on Twitter on the topic after he had enraged Hollywood by daring to question the film's framing of the GameStop story in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. I had always been somewhat suspicious of the David versus Goliath or continuation of the Occupy Wall Street narrative that had been adopted by the mainstream press around this story. Unpopular opinion perhaps, but I think that people underestimate the positive impact that short sellers can bring to the broader health of equity markets. I also think that people ignore the increasing professionalisation of the short squeeze business I, for one, do not think that the key takeaway of the GameStop saga was that a well-organised band of retail traders successfully embarked on a mission to stick it to the big man on Wall Street. Much more powerful professional forces were at play to my mind. Anyway, short selling is very hard. Ask anyone who was on the wrong side of the Goldman Sachs most shorted shares basket last week. In fact, short selling is so hard that many of the best have given up on it. A huge number of the biggest and longest-standing equity-long short funds have quietly dropped the short part of their mandate, while many of the remaining full-time short sellers no longer share their research or ideas with the market for fear of being targeted with a squeeze. Can we also clear up one other annoying trope from the movie? Those diamond hands of the University of Texas Austin student Harmony, played by Talia Ryder, were partially attributed to her desire for vengeance for her shot area manager father's redundancy at the hands of dastardly Wall Street asset strippers. Bonafide short sellers really should not be bucketed alongside the dividend recapping strategies of the vulture capitalists. Those guys, after all, already had their moment of Tinseltown glory with Richard Gere, with his Edward Lewis in Pretty Woman. Remember that line from Julia Roberts? So it's sort of like stealing cars and selling off the parts, but legal. I'm not going to spend any, any time either rehashing the populist system is rigged narrative covered by most of the press reviews. The movie has the benefit of being mercifully almost two, out, two full hours shorter than the latest um, Scorsese epic we saw the other day. It's the movie equivalent of easy listening. Enjoyable enough, but you can probably wait for it to stream on Netflix. I do, however, want to pull on a couple of interesting threads prompted by Friday night. The first one is regulation. Now, as I walked out of the cinema on Friday, the first notification that popped up on my phone was the Bloomberg headline reading, WeWork doubles in latest perplexing bet on a bankrupt company. Shares surge as much as 102% in their first day of OTC trading. Recalls wild trading in Hertz after the 2021 bankruptcy filing. Basically, no lessons have been learned. Penny stock frenzies are back with a vengeance. I would at least hope that the clearinghouses now have dedicated teams monitoring social media message boards and meme stock trading activity. Anyway, the final scenes of Dumb Money are dedicated to the rushed House Financial Services Committee hearing into the GameStop affair. Who can forget that brilliant farcical moment when Roaring Kitty himself video links into Congress to pronounce that I am not a cat? Nearly three years on, regulators and more significantly their political masters are still failing to prove that they have even a basic understanding of how markets operate. Did last week see the return of short selling bans? I really hope not. The COSDAC 150 in Korea, had its largest one-day gain in history, up up over 12% last week, after a new ban was announced. Yes, I know that the geography is different, but the US regulators were really only inches away from similar steps to protect regional banks in March of this year. Any serious practitioner will tell you that short-selling bans actually have the opposite effect to to, to calming a securities market. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the removal of a natural short-covering dip buyer actually increases volatility. Other attempts by regulators since the 089 financial crisis to remove fragilities in the markets have created unintended consequences. The clearinghouses mentioned above are absolutely a case in point here. Now, Russell Clark has written on several occasions how further centralising risk into clearinghouses, opposed to having banks carefully manage their own counterparty risks, has created a new financial order in which regulators have been placed at the centre of market pricing. His thoughts on the recent incidents involving the London Metals Exchange, the London Clearinghouse and the Intercontinental Exchange are fascinating. You should look those up. The centralisation of risk by the regulators may give the illusion of control but it guarantees to create entities that are really too big to fail and probably ultimately increases the likelihood of taxpayer-funded bailouts. There's a memorable scene in Dumb Money when the slippery CEO of Robin Hood gets his $3 billion margin call from the clearinghouse while in a crowded nightclub. The focus from the politicians is all about why the GameStop buy button got disabled on the Apes Robinhood app, instead of on the risk management failings of Silicon Valley's favourite stockbroking disruptor, that favourite VC word again. I would also want them to wonder why that buy button was gamified with celebrity confetti animations in the first place. Now thankfully the market has already done a pretty good job of running the Robinhood app out of Sherwood Forest. The fall in its monthly active users is only matched by the fall in its share price, down 80% since August of 2021. That legendary Democrat firebrand, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, may have been pulling on an interesting thread when wanting to understand the true economic cost to consumers of payment for order flow. However, to suggest that some kind of refund of brokerage commissions might compensate retail investors for the loss of their GameStop tendies is simply beyond parody. All of this is hardly surprising when one considers the identity of the chair of that inf- infamous hearing, none other than Representative Maxine Waters, that modern titan of financial markets regulation. Yes, that's the one that um, that's the duped one that thanked Sam Bankman-Fried for his candid interviews after FTX went bust. Now I'm, selling the be- I'm saving the best thread to pull on until last. I only learned last week that the executive producers of Dumb Money were those billionaire for now champions of the retail investor, the Winkelvoss twins of crypto exchange Gemini fame. Now, the Winklevi, assorted crypto activists and other upstanding market citizens such as Musk and Scamath were quick to use the GameStop saga as an opportunity to stir the pot and preach hashtag the beginning of the end of centralized finance. Now, I usually complain about CNBC playing softball on interviews. There is a magical interview available online and linked to in my note that is really worth watching in full. In fact, it's four minutes of pure joy as the twins are exposed for misrepresenting the reality of the situation. And there's more. It turns out that the New York prosecutors don't believe that these fine, upstanding young men have the back of retail investors after all. That famous paper of record the New York Post alleges the secret front-running of withdrawals by the Twins ahead of a potential insolvency at Gemini. Now, that certainly has all the hallmarks of prioritisation of the interests of the little guy retail investor. They're currently being sued for fraud by the Southern District of New York. To be clear, the collapse of Plotkin's Melvin Capital was a long-term capital management-style case study in hubris and risk management failure. The squirrel shed absolutely no tears on his account, but the market will miss the loss of another active short-selling fund for different reasons. The days of narrative financial accounting, such as non-gap adjusted numbers, also known as earnings after deducting all costs that make us look bad, the market will sorely miss the antiseptic of short-seller scrutiny on disingenuous disclosure practices and fraudulent or underperforming companies. The powerful rally in risk assets we witnessed in the until the messy 30-year Treasury auction last week certainly chased this rodent out of, few, out of a few of his bearish positions in unprofitable or likely never-to-be-profitable technology stocks. It does feel as though, however, the opportunity to re-enter those positions at better levels may be just around the corner. That's all for this week on the pod. The week's um, written note also contains the Acorn Review and Portfolio Update, as I mentioned, Um, And and those are available to paid subscribers, hint, hint. This covers our new trade in soybeans and in crude oil. Also updates on offshore services companies, private equity, process, the Aussie dollar, DoorDash, Coinbase, Occidental and Uranium. Please find out more about the squirrel at blindsquirrelmacro.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at squirrelmacro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Squirrel out.